0: There's still a lot of shirts, just not necessarily the size you want. Yes. Mm. So if you're good at sewing, <laughs> <laughs> Butterscotch Shenanigans. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 196 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I have reduced my caffeine intake back to zero. Now I'm Sam and I ate a Lara bar. This this morning. Morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you're still going? <laughs> I don't know. We're all just throwing out facts. This podcast uh, sponsored by Laura. No, it's not. It's, it's not. Isn't. Unfortunately, but if they want, give me a call, Lara. Lara, give us a call. Who's in Lara, charge of the bars? Uh, this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is March Doubly Hafton, twenty nineteen. I have no idea what day that is. What? Just break it down. Doubly? That's that's twenty half ten half ton. No half ten. Oh, 25. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. March Doubly Hafton. Twenty grand team. sounds like a name for a good NPC. More Doubley Hafton. <laughs> yeah, he'll to sell you some goods. Uh, before we get started, we have a warning: anything could happen on this show. There's going to be profanity, so if you don't uh, like uh, the curses, you can scoot. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about. <laughs> 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 We're in a mood this morning. Uh, okay, we'd also like to thank <laughs> our supporters uh, over at MoneyGrab.Bscotch.Net who are donating to support the podcast. We also have a new human in -hmm. our money pit. Excellent. Uh, So we'd like to thank Preston for the generous donation, as well as our recurring supporters. Thank you all very much. Let's talk about steak. Mm -hmm. I got some some questions for you guys. All right. So on Friday, you know, we got back from GDC and Thursday night, and Friday I was like, I need to just do something, because all I've been doing is talking for -hmm. 12 hours a day for four days. So I thought, what better way to do a thing than to cook some stuff, right, at home? I mean, it's, it depends on your but goals. Please but follow, yeah, yep. <laughs> follow. So I'm with you. <laughs> I talked to my wife, and I was like, "I'm gonna make you the steak. Let's do this." This is also a really good cho- thing to choose to make because all you do is you cook it. Well, so this is kind of what happened. So get these steaks; they're super nice. Uh, make beets as well, which are so delicious. Good choices. Choice. And so I make some roasted also beets. Also, that allows you to be started later when you when take, you pee when you or anything. Yeah, any you time, fluids come, come out of Yeah, yeah. It's crazy, which did happen, actually, for yeah, the follow days. you always forget. Mm-hmm. Every time. And then you look down there, you're like, oh, my God, I'm dying. That <laughs> like, no, it's just the beets. Just I, the beets. I just – yeah, I don't really eat beets. Maybe maybe for that reason. Give it a shot. Uh, pe- like a PTSD situation. They're, they're both delicious and hilarious. Mm-hmm. C- great. Big prank to play on your friends. <laughs> yeah. Have them over for beets to scare the shit out of them like a day later. Yeah. It's a time delay thing. But anyway, so go to cook these steaks. Cook them. And do it exactly, you know, by the book – You sear them in a cast iron pan for two minutes each side, throw that thing into the oven to finish them. This is apparently how most uh, restaurants do it. And they're, you know, they're delicious steaks, but I was eating it and I've been eating just a lot of Chinese food mainly, but also just a lot of very spiced food for the last two years. I actually eat steak probably once every six months now. Ate these steaks and they even had like a garlic herb butter thing that i had made. And I was like, this is boring as fuck. (laughs) I don't right, know. I'm right there with yeah? you. Yeah. Okay. And I, I, my, so my wife was eating it and she was, you know, she's enjoying it. But I, I just took a few bites and I was like, I don't care about this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I want to finish this. You've become a foodie, apparently. You didn't yeah, know. So I was know curious because we grew up on steak. That was like the thing. Yeah. That was like, that was like our dessert. You know. It was it like if you were, always wanted, mm-hmm. and if you were gonna have, if you are gonna have like a fancy meal, it was steak yep. every single time. And and then I'm realizing that that like steak houses. It's funny because they cost a lot of money, right? If you go to a steakhouse to get a steak, but the total preparation time for steak is almost zero, yeah. right? You just take the meat. It's all about the cut of meat. Yeah. You sprinkle salt on it and then throw it in the pan for six minutes and it's done. Yeah. Well, this is why this is why you go to one of those places where they age me, where they yeah. aged the steak, because yep. that's where the prep time is like six months. So this mm. is the thing: is you're now in that you're now in that window where, or you're now that that time of your life where you can no longer just eat regular old plebeian steak. Ah, plebe steak. Yeah. You, you now have to go in for the super fancy, very expensive aged steaks. This is how you know that you're in the one yeah. percent. But- <laughs> <laughs> how does it taste you, better from being old? Uh, well, I, you know, I wondered the same thing, and I don't know, but. Is is it the true? same real way real that cheese is way better than milk. You mm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to a there's a there's a place in St. Louis. I think it's called like the Twisted Tree or something. Mm. And I went there. This podcast sponsored by Twisted Tree. And I went there, <laughs> and they they kept talking about how like we age our steaks for a really long time, like so much longer mm-hmm. than any other place in the in the city. And I'm like, that sounds like a bad move. You mm-hmm. know, uh, you would think fresh, right? I want it like right off of the animal mm-hmm. immediately cook no apparently something happens when it's aged properly and it just man it was, mean, the, the, the only thing that is good fresh is fruit and even fruit if you just let it sit there for a long time now you have booze. i think that's true i think so fish is really good fresh that's fresh because you've fish. never had well aged no fish. yeah because apparently when fish is prepared properly and not like suffocated to death over 20 minutes it can be aged like a steak and then it's like a whole other world of food. is how does it taste you know? different? Because it just it just tastes more like steak. Because that's kind of what I'm bored about. I don't know. I ate it and it, I was like, "This is not." It tastes more like a good steak, I think. But I think, but the point still stands though, which is it's boring as fuck. Yeah, you know, like it still it can taste good and be boring as fuck, mm-hmm. which is kind of <laughs> so my my, my yeah, that's, own- that's actually exactly what it was. Yeah, it's like good this and is objectively tasty. Also, I my no bigger care. problem with steak uh-huh. is the chewing requirement. We have it to chew is- that fucker so much. <laughs> constant chewing that's true and like my jaws getting tired and the whole Die. time I'm like this isn't even that good mm-hmm. why am i even putting myself through this mm-hmm. and so i can only eat maybe like two ounces of steak at a time before i'm just like fuck this i'm thing. done this is you now guys- the fridge later on i'm gonna cut this into little tiny bits give me some baby food Yeah, exactly you guys sure have opinions about steak well i do <laughs> i used to love steak yeah now i just don't give a fuck But well, i was realizing i was like this is clearly one of those cultural things growing up it was like it was the important food right if you ever you had an event, there was steak involved and it was fancy, whatever else. And now, now that you know we've aged, we've we've gotten more yeah. cultural <laughs> experience. So maybe the maybe the problem is like we've aged, and that's because we've not. become much more refined, like how a steak does. Uh-huh. Yes, exactly. Now the other a regular steak hasn't caught up, so now ma- you got to eat. Yeah, it's not mature enough. Yeah, you got to you really gotta eat enjoy. an aged steak but so that also, it matches uh, you, right? Mm-hmm. But I've, I've even taken this even further because I I actually don't even like meat that much anymore. What? Yeah, like any of it, just in general. Like, because every time I eat meat, I'm like, "This is a good seasoning," I guess. You know, sometimes, but mm. usually, just the part that is just the meat part is the worst part of whatever I'm eating. Because that's true of a like, lot of food, though. You know, like if you just eat rice, if you just eat yeah, like, yeah, a bean exactly. You know, <laughs> which but this is, brings back to the point: is that for for meat to be good, it's got to be finely, it's got to be particulate meat matter. You know. Mm -hmm. so that it can be actually fully saturated in all the flavors. Because all the good stuff is all the shit you put on the food. On the the meat. Food Mm -hmm. itself sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, well, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. If you ever see a video where they're like, here's how you prepare the perfect potato. Yeah. And they never never just go. with butter. Yeah. They never go, just cook it because potatoes are so good. Well, sweet potatoes are pretty good. Sweet potatoes are delicious. That was the thing I remember. I was like back growing up. We used to just load them up with brown sugar and marshmallows turns out you don't even need to. No. My wife just microwaved one. All right, on so like six months in, <laughs> so I was think like, we've landed. Where we've landed is sweet potatoes are the perfect food. They True, because they then, oh, they come pre-seasoned with sugar. Right, and then all <laughs> other foods, uh, even even like uh, you know cocoa beans or whatever, mm-hmm. like you, you don't just they're apparently no. super bitter oh, and terrible. Horrible, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. So what you do is you mix them with like lactose and sugars oh. and all kinds of other stuff, and now you've got yourself a good treat. Have you ever seen yet? those videos? I saw one a clip of this kid who was like so excited because he got a hold of a. Hershey's cocoa box, you know, like the cooking oh, yeah. cocoa and then he just like took a spoonful, and he just shoved it in his mouth and then had that sort of horrified <laughs> realization like this is not what you thought it was going to be, child. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You think I got pure, pure cocoa. Here. It's going to be so good. It's yeah, not what you want. It's it's the worst. It's the, it's the, it's the non-cocoa parts that make chocolate bars good yeah. actually. Yep. Uh, all right. So I think – That's all I need to say about it. Should I, get that out there. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, basically, the things that make food good are how old it is. Apparently, how much salts on there, and how old you are. How old you are? <laughs> how much fats on there, and then how much other delicious things that are not food but that taste good are also on. Yep, there. I did That's sort of the summary. Now, radio—I think it was Radiolab—they've got a thing about about bliss, about like people finding mm. pure happiness, find chase your bliss. They had a video mm. recording of this man who basically is a professional adventurer. Somehow, Amazing. somehow he's somehow he's pulled this off. And he was—he had a recording where he basically pre-plotted this route through—I don't know—Antarctica or some shit—and he he went ahead in advance and buried sort of like caches of supplies for himself so that he wouldn't have to haul like a hundred pounds of equipment. And so he was like three months into this hike, like he's walking, you mm-hmm. know, and he just finds these caches of food. He's lost like fifty-five pounds or something like that. So he's basically starving, and he he comes across his last cache and he he like was disoriented and he didn't even remember like what he had put in there and he found this bag of cheese doodles <laughs> and this man basically s- screamed with pure joy for like <laughs> 3 whole minutes oh yeah and then he kept digging and then he found like a chocolate bar oh, and then it was man. like three more minutes of screaming <laughs> and i thought you know I guess, what it, I guess what I'm guess what i saying is it's also context. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I still like Cheez-Its now and then, you know? Mm-hmm. Although if I eat too many, of them, I'm like, oh, yeah, these are actual garbage again. But imagine, just, imagine if you found Cheez-Its. After, shit, yeah. If after after I'd been starving <laughs> for months and then I got Cheez-Its. It's maybe the trick is not just to chase your bliss, but is to bury your bliss and forget on the a path in for front a long of you. Time yeah. And then be starving for and a then, while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you find your bliss. Because you you re- re- that's when you can really appreciate. It's like finding money in your pocket sort of a thing, right? Yeah. You're like, oh. Look at this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then you can buy a <laughs> snack with it, you know? Yes. All right. Well, let's talk about GDC. Let's do that. Game Developers Conference. We were there all last week. We refer to yeah. it as GDC, the, the GDC. mother of dragons. Mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm. uh, So, for starters, we hosted a meetup on the Monday afternoon, which was super cool. We basically awesome. just posted up shop in uh, the Yerba Buena Garden, which is this big park kind of near the convention center. And... Uh, and then people just kind of came. Yeah, it was great. We had about I think thirty to forty people kind of yeah. coming in and out throughout. About Twenty the... concurrent players at a given time. Peak <laughs> concurrency. Yeah, uh, so we just got to we just got to kind of hang out and chat and talk shop with people about stuff and yeah, it was um, super fun. It was great. Got yeah. to meet. So uh, thanks for coming out. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, Joseph, whose last name we won't say because of doxing, mm-hmm. but Joseph brought us cookies. Thanks, Joseph. They were delicious. Uh, great. And then mm-hmm. also got to meet uh, somebody from CCP, who's the creators of EVE Online. Did not know we had any podcast listeners over there <laughs> in Iceland. Did. But that was super cool. Um, so he got to hear my Space Brian story from a while back. <laughs> you said so, he shared it around the office, yeah. didn't he? <laughs> nice. I think so, yeah. Uh, yeah, got to meet uh, – and then uh, some, one of our students from our Wash U class mm-hmm. came. and He's now working at Apple. Yeah, which, which is, is awesome. his dream. Yeah. Uh he's, he's so, loving it over there. So yep. it's kinda cool. So yeah, we've we just had it was just nice to kind of like we caught up with a bunch of people who we had sort of seen throughout, some folks who had come to Shenanicon and that kind of stuff. So it was just like a good, good kind of get together. Yep. And so thank you everybody who came. Probably we'll just do the same thing next year. I think so. So one of, my, one of the highlights for me of the whole week, honestly. Yeah. It's also a lot easier than hosting Shenanicon because we just – Because we just went to a park and stayed yeah. there. Yeah, but much like Shenanicon, it was very cold. Yep. Mm-hmm. So – or cold enough. I think it was like 45 or something. It was kind of dipped down. It started out. hot when the sun was up and then it got real cold all of a sudden. Yeah. So we were all kind of shaking. I, I gave Sam my jacket and a – gentlemanly. Show yeah. of gentlemanly support. Mm-hmm. Um, and I assume we just flexed the rest of the time to keep warm. Yeah. Well, I, I, it was more like shivered, which is sort of like a rapid flex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about let's talk about how our GDC strategy has evolved. evolved. So this is now our uh, seventh time as a studio. Is seven? It's my fifth, or maybe eight. We started our first one we went to was in twenty fourteen. Yeah, we didn't that's go that first 20, year. Or not twenty fourteen? No, because the first one I went to was in twenty fifteen. Which was our third one. I right. think it was 2013. 13? Did we go after a No. No, we didn't. I don't know. Sixth or seventh. Whatever it is, we've been going for oh, wow. a <laughs> Enough. <laughs> Enough damn times. Yeah. it's uh, It's been interesting. I think when we started out, the goal was to basically try to attend all the talks, actually. And then as we've gotten both a deeper network, got to meet the people that we sort of find to be our either our peers or people that we really look up to. Then it's transitioned from being completely talk focused in the beginning to now we literally don't buy the talk pass anymore. Yeah, we just had expo passes, and then we just hang out with folks that we know or do business stuff. And so it's been this really interesting, and it, that has gradually happened over about five or six years. So in terms of that idea of you know uh, networking, taking time, like I think that's by probably the easiest example of it. This is a slow burn. Yeah, multiple people working literally all the time. Uh, takes about like six years before you get to a point where you're like, I can go to a meeting for, I can go to a conference for four days and have it be the case that I'm mainly, mainly meeting other people who we've talked to before. Our or calendar was, was very full. It's very full, which is very fun. Um, that was a little much on occasion in terms of just how much running around there was. Yeah, we had to, there were a few times where we had to kind of like. Divide and conquer. Pre-plan who was going to go where because we had multiple things going on at the same time, mm-hmm. which is great. But yeah, like you said, it's a bit much. Yeah, so these things just—they take a little while, um, but it's been—it's been fun, I think, making that transition because it feels more, uh, I guess, when you're when you're going in that under that previous model where it's like let's go to talks and then just talk to whoever will who sits next to you, or whatever else. You're relying almost 100% on serendipity to get you some mm-hmm. something good uh, out of the deal. And there's enough ad companies and stuff at GDC that that's not super easy. Oh, to it's do. a minefield. It's a minefield. you yep. Be really careful. Um, but the sort of transition then from that has been really nice because. It just feels like a very – it's a very purposeful couple of days. We also used to go the whole week. So we would be there on Sunday. I think we even used to go on Saturday afternoon or something like that. I think last year we left on Saturday. Yeah, and we stay all the way through uh, Saturday. And then this year we said, we don't want to do that. Let's get the hell out of there as soon as possible. So we looked at when all of our meetings were, all of our most important meetings. All of them happened Monday through Wednesday last year. So we're really like, okay, let's try Just plan on that. Try Thursday being the day we evacuate. And we did. And no one's gotten sick yet, so we somehow dodged the plague. Yep. First Just, year. First year. Yeah. I think and it's those last couple, couple days. Yeah, a couple years ago, I I had the the flu by yeah, like mid, day two, right? Yeah, by mid GDC. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. This is better. I like this better. This is much better. Part of our strategy there was we bought a huge bottle of vitamin C gummies. And then just divided up the total number of gummies by the total days and how many people we had. And then everyone just had to eat that many gummies. I was, I was inhaling those things. Oh Notably, I wasn't. I just kind of carried on with you my sh- life. Flex it off. I just ate. I ate like one or two. But I guess that's all you need. Well. Uh, apparently, that was all it took. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. To be sure. fair, I think it was like 267% of your daily uh, vitamin C intake. Which yeah, is and two. it does average over time. So I ate a couple of them and then that just kind of carried me through, mm-hmm. right? Yep. That's right how right science now. works. Well, then we also – I think we, we ended with another change to our strategy for next year, which is to find a hotel that was probably much further away. I think so. And just Uber. And then just Uber there because – It's getting really bad, Because yeah, Because the neighborhood's not great and then the cost of the hotels, of, not e- of even medium ones, which is where we yeah. were staying, is very high. And so we figure, what if we just stay just somewhere else and then just Uber in every day? Yeah, day? Yeah, I'd be happy to take like a half hour Uber to get in there yeah, if mm-hmm. it means like Being going, yeah, going back to a comfortable bed with an air conditioner, uh, you know, just those kinds or of Or just things. space. Just space. Yeah. Somewhere you could sit down. Yeah. In one work. of in one of the rooms that we had, we had – it was two beds which were one foot apart and then there was a foot between – each bed in the wall. Mm-hmm. So it was like the room was just big enough to fit two beds. And then you had about three feet at the t- on the sort of foot end of the beds. Yeah. for You know, walking around. Yeah. that was, So once uh, you put your bag down, you now have one foot of space yeah. left. Yep, uh, It was, it was tight. Mm-hmm. So, and that was, that's quite expensive too yeah. for that amount of space. Um, yeah. So, so I guess the question is when it comes to those talks, uh, cause we, we've talked about, you know, that was our primary focus at the beginning. And then we kind of like – And also giving talks was a big Giving focus. talks. And then we kind of just trailed off on that. Where it, it, for a while, it was like we would go and then we'd still attend some talks, but then kind like of fewer and fewer. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, what's the what's the value of those? Well, so in terms of going to them while you're at GDC? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, still, I still think there's tremendous value in it. It's just the case that it's uh, it's much more hit or miss than if you have a lot of – Important meetings that you're probably that you're probably willing to give time to, um, but it is the sort of thing where I think the one thing people don't do, which has always kind of confused me, is if a talk is really good, you should go up and talk to the person immediately afterwards. Like, there's nothing more important than actually making that face-to-face connection, swapping business cards, or sending them an email, or something like that afterwards, because people always put their contact information up. Yeah, and yeah, the, the total number of uh, like sort of you know inbound that comes from those talks is not that high actually like very few people reach out afterwards um even if the talk's really good and i think that's the easiest way to make those one-on-one connections that then literally like i've had i had people after my uh my the crash lines talk two years ago who sent me a note immediately and then i met with them at gdc and then literally i've been meeting with those people now every year when i go mm-hmm. back yeah and i remember so, them. yeah and so it's one of those things where, like when you when you see a really good talk or whatever else take just five or ten minutes to send Send someone a note about it because they could become uh, either just a peer for you or even like a, a you know mentor figure in terms of how you're approaching some part of the, the business, or whatever else. And so I think uh, there's there's plenty of ways to still really get a ton of value out of it. It's just that if you're doing what everybody else is doing, which is just sort of attending, um, well, it'll, the, that's it'll the kicker though. Is you don't re- you you would think I shouldn't bother sending this person a message because they're probably mm-hmm. being inundated with messages because yeah. so that's what everybody's saying and so the speakers are actually getting almost no messages yeah. at all yeah uh, even a, even a really good speaker mm-hmm. with a room of like 300 people You'll they might like only get yeah a few yeah. messages afterwards yeah maybe. unless they're particularly well known so like I, I imagine rami ismail after oh yeah yeah but he, he always he gets lot. Well, exactly of yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> so is, i think <laughs> people who are who are getting contacted just all the time already will then continue to have that happen mm-hmm. after a talk but literally everybody else which is almost everybody uh, will not be having that yeah and, and honestly like th- these are these are people just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so they put a lot of time and energy into preparing these talks. And then if, if somebody reaches out and they're like, hey, just want to let you know. That was good. It was great. And I really appreciate that you took the time to put that together. You know, then it's like, man, that feels great. Yeah. You know? Honestly, it makes it worth it in a lot of ways. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so we've kind of transitioned into away from the talks. And also those are available in the vault. You can always watch them later. Yes. So Although I mean, that of- depends on the pass. Well, so right. you can just buy a vault. Yes. Well when you say just buy it though, it costs like five hundred bucks. It yeah. does, but just buying a GDC pass it's way cheaper than a that allows go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're going and then also have to spend five hundred dollars, yes. then that's now not, but you know, could also easy thing. just watch the YouTube channel because they <laughs> yeah. take all the best talks and just put them on their YouTube channel. Yeah. 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 So um, there's nothing particularly you want to see. And they and they don't I don't think it's quite fair to say they take all the best talks. They, th- they take the ones that are the, the most best, broadly sort of uh, – The broadly applicable and then best rated within that category and then things that they want to use to advertise GDC so that people buy tickets for next yeah. year. So if you're actually – if you're looking for really intense nuts and bolts on like production or – Yeah, you won't get that. Visual no, effects yeah. or tools, you do not see that on the YouTube channel. Um, but you'll see the really high level. It's usually like, yeah, we designed Dark Souls, which is cool. you know. Yeah. Um, there's a few of them like that that are really good but <laughs> otherwise tend to be very high level. Yeah. So depends what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think I think it is the case though that that uh that vault access is probably more important than going to GDC if honestly, you're going yeah. there for talks. Yeah. If like yeah, if your whole thing is like you just want to learn as much as you can and whatever. Because you can still reach out to people who gave those talks. Everyone includes their info on their slide. Yeah. Yeah. You don't you don't have to like be at GDC to do that. You yeah. can't talk to them face to face, obviously, but you can send them an email and that sort of thing. So you can still get a lot out of that. I think the the main value in physically being at GDC is not physically going to talks. It is Chatting with people, it is meeting other people yeah, eyeball yeah. to eyeball, and just talking about just just talking about stuff and letting serendipity. Well, so come what out. what was the takeaway this year as far as like? Because we talked to a ton of people. Yeah. well, so, so where are we at? So first, we need to talk about the the elephant in the room, which is Google Stadia. And by that, I mean oh, yeah. it was literally like an elephant in the room because <laughs> It was like an elephant in every room. <laughs> it was really yeah. interesting. So, what they so chose Google to do. has never really had a presence at GDC. Yeah. They yeah. would they would uh, have a booth on the expo floor. They do their developer day. Thing on Monday, where we yeah. talk about whatever, what new stuff trying to get you to in. get into ads, basically. Yeah, and then uh, and then they would have a, a booth on the expo floor, and we we went try to talk to them on the expo floor. And in years past, mm-hmm. um, and we we were essentially just kind of dismissed outright because we make premium games, yes. and they only wanted to talk to us about our our th- KPIs Yeah, all of these acronyms that basically mean how much money are you extracting from your users mm-hmm. every day, and we'd be like, well, none because they already bought it, and then they'd be like, all right, well, we don't really have anything to talk about then. Mm-hmm. So uh, historically, the primary building of GDC is this three-story uh, building. It's called Mus- Moscone West. And that's, where all, where, the talks that's where all the talks happen. And historically, there have been a lot of tables and stuff for developers to congregate and like meet up after the talks and whatever. And we noticed this year that the entire second floor – Which is where most of the tables usually Which are. is where most of – yeah. So that that was always where we would post up and and chat with people and mm-hmm. set up meetings and stuff like that. Second floor was completely nuked uh, because there was an enormous display that Google had put up for this new streaming service, Mm -hmm. which they made their announcement on Tuesday. And so the entire first day, it was just like the whole floor was just kind of like blocked off and with no discernible purpose. But it was definitely clear that we're not supposed to be there. We're not supposed to sit there. This is not Mm -hmm. for the developers. This is for Google. There wasn't even anywhere to sit. It was almost like they paved it. Yeah, like, there's yeah. some way to think about it. Is they like put it's, up a parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there, there used to be a forest of tables and then they just paved yeah. and put up a bunch of monitors. And mm. so already we've got this like strong metaphor here, which is like Google all of a sudden just sort of bursts into the scene after not being <laughs> involved whatsoever mm-hmm. without any regard to sort of like what has been going on historically uh, and and displaces all the developers who now have to scramble and figure out where the fuck to go uh, all week, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so then on Tuesday, Google announces this new streaming service, Google Stadia, uh, which they which is essentially the idea that that it shouldn't matter what device you're playing on because if with the power of the internet, you can play games on somebody else's computer, mm-hmm. basically Google's computer. Mm -hmm. um stream stream what it looks like eh? right because because basically the idea is is in google's mind they're thinking a video game is essentially two parts video and inputs right Mm -hmm. and both of those things can be sent and received over the internet which is totally true which is true to a degree um if you exclude things like modding right yeah um uh which so, so then the idea is you would they they didn't actually specify the business model. So they didn't they didn't talk about whether this would be a subscription. They yeah, they didn't, didn't talk about a lot of things. They they skipped a lot of detail, but the core of the idea is this is like, quote, a Netflix of of uh video games, mm-hmm. as a lot of people have been calling it. Google did not call it that. Right. Um so let's talk about what this means. Uh so so well, the first the first thing is like there's conversations about there's, there's two sort of primary concerns that that gamers have one is this modding problem because a lot of single player games are sustained by modding communities and if the game lives on somebody else's computer, you can't mod it uh, so yep. that's potentially yeah, we do we do also know some stuff that we can't say probably Correct. so we have to be careful how we talk about this right um but yeah, but <laughs> so, so we'll only talk about it as if we only know what everybody else yeah. does. And yeah. That's, yeah, that's how. Well, I think the, the general concern out. people have is it's it's always the same with any of this digital media stuff, which is one of ownership because you literally don't have like well, yeah, that's, people that's, that's even get second. Thing yeah, people, people get a little uncomfortable about. even with Steam right now. Yeah. Which is, you have a license to the game. You don't actually have the well, game. Well, but that's 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 actually been where does it go when it's when that's actually done? always been true. It, it has never been the case in the entire history of video games that when you like got a copy of a game that you owned it, in in the sense of like you owning a book or something, right? Right. Or even the, actually, you don't even own a book, really. Yeah. Well, I, I think the the difference though is that what you used to, I, I wouldn't say own, but what you used to have was guaranteed you used to access. Have it. Yeah. yeah. You didn't so, own it, but you did have well, no, it. What, what you had was guaranteed access. So if you had a Super Nintendo and a cartridge, then you now you have Super Mario World. Like yeah. that's what you have and nobody right. can take that away from you until it breaks. So the that? interesting thing about a streaming only game is that if for example, like if the game comes off that storefront at some point, uh, it's gone. It's actually yeah, it's gone. It's and gone. Gone. And this is true for always online services, which was yeah you know, the other yeah. Thing that people and worry this is about. different. This is different from Netflix in the sense that when you watch a show, you have watched it now, and you're like, I watched that. You have consumed it. I have mm. consumed it, and and maybe you'll want to revisit it later, but you don't. Know, it's really. it's more of just like a want, you know, kind yeah. of a thing. Whereas with games, it feels more like a need because it, you have these longer term hobbies, right? Yeah. So. Um, so you'll you'll have a game that somebody maybe plays for like ten hours a week, and that's the that's what that's what their hobby is, right? And they may, they may do that for a year, and so they're putting in hundreds and hundreds of hours. Um, and then all of a sudden, it's like boom, it's gone. So it's not like you finish it and are done, and then you move on to other things on the platform. It's people go really deep into one game, and the prospect of now just having that sort of stripped away uh, becomes a little. It makes people a little yeah. uneasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think there's 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 some actually really great. If in sort of the general, some general good strategic thinking about this, Games Industry has been running a few pieces that people put together, uh, GamesIndustry.biz about just sort of like these opinions about what this. Everyone's trying to figure out, like, what does this mean? Because yeah. this is everyone's like this has tried to happen before actually with OnLive back in I think 2008 or so, which is another streaming service thing didn't quite Hatch. work. Hatch is doing it right now on For mobile. Android. Yeah. Um, and so there's there's a bunch of different. Ways to approach this, and a bunch of different questions to really get answered on both on the business side. Like, what does this mean for creators? So, sort of one of the most interesting ones. Because if you look at a service like Spotify, for example, which is all about streaming music, the artists get paid almost nothing. Literally, almost nothing. Right? Yeah. I, I don't think you can actually sustain a livelihood just just off of your Spotify list, even if you're having people listen to your songs like a billion times. Yep, it's just not. It's not. It's literally not a possible thing for you to do. And so. It becomes this interesting question of like, what does this mean for uh, game development? Because how do the creators actually get money? Well, we need yeah. So this is this Making is part on. of a of a larger and more worrying trend that we're kind of mm-hmm. picking up on, um, which is one thing that's generally been the case about the internet is that it creates these winner take all markets that tend to concentrate the wealth onto the platform. Right. So I mean, you look at Netflix. It's easy example. Netflix, right? Facebook. Google, Apple, whatever, Mm -hmm. Amazon, um, whoever is kind of like the first mover into a space tends to, or who does it well, tends to sort of just like suck up all the oxygen in that entire sector. Um, And it's not to the benefit of the consumers or the creators of content on the platform. It's oftentimes- Well, it is at first. It is at first. Um, But as as things continue to concentrate upward, um, it becomes harder and harder for people to- eke out a living on those platforms. Well, because basically you have no leverage at some point. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. now if, if, you know, if on uh, Spotify, you know, if you, if you're one of, uh, you know, a hundred thousand artists launching an album that month, does Spotify really care if you succeed? Like they're not invested in you. Right. Um, and so you, you see this thing kind of happen time and time again. And so, you know, we've talked in the past about how like the, the median income of games on Steam is essentially, was essentially approaching zero by the time they stopped talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't actually know what it is now, um, but people continue to make more and more games on steam. So that, that market is becoming more crowded. Mobile is obviously crowded because that's, it has been thousands of games coming out every, every week. Um, and even back on the time that we started, I think the median uh, income of a mobile game was zero. Mm-hmm. So like most, as in over half of games just don't make mm-hmm. money at all. Um, Which also means they lose money because they all had a development cost. They had development huh? cost. Yeah. And so, I would say that there's there was an interesting there's been an interesting tonal shift over the past couple of years as we've gone to GDC and talked to developers. Where at the very beginning, you know, we started and we started making games in uh, 2012, mm-hmm. and that was right on the heels of sort of like the rise of the indies. You yeah. Know? So you've got like your super meat boy. Yeah. And we were brain. we were late to that party. We were yeah. we were already late. Yeah um and and folks like you know Rami uh, mm-hmm. Ismail like they they were they were already sort of established established the and thing. they were already uh, you know uh, well on their way mm-hmm. um and so we were late to that party but we were also kind of like we were part of that uh like the baby boomers of the of the indie mm-hmm. games movement you know like mm-hmm. there was just all of a sudden a ton of us and uh there were indie developers everywhere swarming GDC and just you know you couldn't throw a rock without hitting mm-hmm. an indie game developer um and, which you shouldn't throw rocks, no, no. especially at, at people. Mm-hmm. Um, so nowadays, you know, it's, it hasn't been that long. It's been you know, seven years since we started. Well, the weirdest one is so I was on a panel, one of Google's panels on Monday uh, talking about community development stuff and they referred to us as old. Yeah. We're yeah, old. we're an old studio yeah. because – Because we've lasted for seven it, years. And, and, we, and we've oh, – Yeah, let that sink in for a second. Yeah. And the, the feeling that I got – I don't know. I assume you guys had the same thing. But like, wow, while talking to so many people, we there are a lot of people who uh, were around when we started. They're gone. Um, mm-hmm. There were people who kind of started around the same time as us and either they're gone or they're talking about getting out. Yep. Because they are just struggling more and more to yeah. – to make an impact and, and – Well, there were even a know. lot of people who were very successful because they got there when it was still good. They got in the market before we did, uh, who we looked up to and like we talked mm-hmm. to at various GDCs who who, ne- who have ever since that actually been really struggling uh, to recreate any of that. Yeah, the that general tone success. has been why is this so hard? Why and is this and so it hard? Hasn't, it hasn't gotten – less like that, I guess, in the last couple of years. So just, it's, well, it's, it's been getting harder for everybody, no matter their level of success, basically. Yes. Yeah. And so even like um, uh, the, the FTL uh, creators, you know, they made Into the Breach recently, mm-hmm. and that was just a fraction of mm-hmm. of how successful FTL was. Yep. Um, and and we, we spoke with a lot of mobile developers as well, who would make, they would launch premium mobile titles, uh, you know, back in like 2012, 2013. And it was not uncommon for a small... Independent uh, premium mobile game to make you know upwards of five million dollars, mm-hmm. uh, which is crazy. Like it's a crazy amount yeah. of money. Um, and then uh, nowadays, these these same people who are actually making even better games. Yep. You know, we talk to them, and and they're they're struggling to make over a hundred k with a game that takes them a couple years to make. Yeah, which means again, because because of development costs, that they're either the development costs are high order, or, the or they or they're losing money. There's, yeah, yeah, and so. I mean, I mean. So yeah, we're talking about like success being now like in single-digit percentages now in terms yeah. of how much uh, income is is available for pre- like premium games on mobile, yeah. especially. And so the, the broader context we've gotten is that we think Crashlands is sort of situated like smack in the middle of this slide of that curve, right. Right? yeah, where because it was three going. years ago, yeah. over over three years ago that we launched Crashlands, yeah. um, and so I don't know. It was a it was actually very it was an uncomfortable couple of days because. Yeah. I was just, I was thinking, like, because the thing is, you are talking to these people, and you are recognizing that they're doing things better than your studios doing mm-hmm. things in a lot of ways, and they're still well, having a hard time. Yeah, and, you're or, like, and shit. or they've got like the they've got history behind them, right? Yeah. they've got all these like successful titles they've already put out, and, and then they're still they're still having the same struggles. Yeah, because now we're looking at that. Yeah, right, and we're like, well, we haven't put out a game for three years. Um, Which means we do not know the state of the market from our own. Yeah, and the testing. only reason that we were successful on mobile is because our barf success was low because of where we live and how much we pay ourselves. Well, and, and, and you know, our team is, right. And if we're looking at if we look at some of the folks who started launching uh, premium mobile mobile games around the time we started our studio, and we look at them and we're like, yeah, but they got in early. Yeah. You know, like we could say the same thing about us three yep. years ago yeah, exactly. because, like, now it's late. Yeah, you know, yep. uh, the 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 market is different now. Yeah. So. So it was, a, it was a bit gloomy, I would say. It uh, was. <laughs> well, I mean, for a couple it, of days. It, it forced a lot of soul searching in terms of like, when it comes to level head, you know, we, we've still got our steam early access plan mm-hmm. and we're, we're really pushing on this thing as being a, uh, like a premium big screen experience, you know? Um, but we still want to figure out how to bring it to mobile. But man, like the, yeah, the reality of that business is not looking super hot right now, I think, yeah. um, which is, yeah, we were we were entertaining a lot of different ways to make that happen in a way that wouldn't like be dumb for us as a studio, but it's looking uh, it's a little bad. Looked pretty dumb. Yeah. <laughs> so we, I don't know. We've been thinking about it a bunch. Um, we're not, we haven't just settled on anything yet, but I think it was, that was the shakeup this year, which was, you know, we go in, we're like, yeah, we'll put level head on every single thing. And yeah. we leave and we're like, what, yeah. What, what are the, what's the <laughs> fewest things we can put it on? Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and that's part of the problem too, right? Is, is as much as we, you know we we kind of came from mobile and we we love love the idea of play games on our phones and so on uh the fact that that market doesn't give a fuck about us right? like, <laughs> yeah we know we know that a, a subset of our players do absolutely and, and this is where the rub comes That's in right? it's like it's like the only reason we would now want to put out a game uh on on mobile is actually just because like our a subset of our fans would want to play it there yeah. Um, but it might not be a good business move at this point uh, because it requires, I think it's a development problem, right? Is, is right now the game basically works on mobile, right? Like mm-hmm. it works actually fine, but it doesn't have all the mobile friendly search. We haven't tuned it. it. We have yeah. it and, that, and that's a big development cost. And then there's a question is like, and then maintenance and, and then maintenance one, yeah. and everything else is, is, uh, is you know, and we've been dealing with this on other platforms that run with Crashlands that that literally just are a straight cost to us. That we, again, we went there because we we're like, oh, some of our players want it there. Like, we like want to make sure our players are happy, and and now we really regret putting that on those yeah. platforms, right? Because because they just are a, a bureaucratic nuisance, basically. That, that just directly increases our dev costs, um, and that's kind of what mobile's starting to look like. It's it just is for for premium for premium well, exactly, yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's it's. It's still the case too that, you know, we know that the the top grossing mobile games are all free to play games. Yeah. Um uh and they're doing great. They're they're still doing great and and those those top grossing charts, which I still don't know why they showed that, but the the top grossing yeah. charts um have been fairly static for a forever. long time. Yeah. Um, and, and that's also um, as, as we were speaking with some other uh, some other folks who who work kind of in this area, we're talking about this problem of like because of the the static nature of these stores, people tend to just not go there anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, there may be seven thousand new games every week, but if if you want to find the good stuff, you are going to go to the charts, and if the mm-hmm. charts are always the same, then you kind Can of there. you know, are yeah, no. not going to go in there. Yeah, yes, yeah, so I think it's been no, uh, oh, it's just been very uncomfortable. I think uh, yeah, we we did. I think Monday I was pretty down. Mm-hmm. i think the the meetup was probably the only thing where i was like thank god that <laughs> happened <laughs> um yeah and then yeah we're just we're trying to figure it out so i think this is this is just one of those you know those behind the curtain little peaks that the shit we're dealing with over here <laughs> um and how we're trying to figure it out and you can i mean i guess the, the general point is that it's the the sense that we've gotten is that is that you can make a bigger better game than you did three years ago and it'll I mean, do, it'll far, do you know far worse. Far worse. Yeah. No matter what you do. So, and, and that's true on on all platforms. Well, this has, is, been, unless things, go, unless you get really lucky, or unless, or you, know, you change your tactics, or dramatic. you change your tactics. Well, th- yeah. This actually reminds me. Quite a while back, we were speaking with some some friends of ours um, who work on the press side, mm-hmm. and who you know they they're journalists, they write articles and stuff, and their 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 site is funded by ad revenue, as are right. most uh, sites, and. And they were talking about how, sort of like in their perception, the the middle was falling out. Yeah. of the industry. And this was a f- few years back, mm-hmm. but basically, like there were fewer and fewer mid-sized studios, and you either had AAA, uh, with the big exclusive deals and and three hundred person development teams, et cetera, et cetera. If um, it had money and right, yeah. and, and those and those people are essentially fueling their games by pumping money into user acquisition, mm-hmm. right? And they make the the free to play games that just have infinite ways to spend money and loot crates like anything goes whatever maximizes revenue right so you got those people we um, also have to have and, the, and those same people are also driving up ua costs right because right. if they're making on average you know twenty dollars per user because of all the iaps they have then they can't they can, spend a, they can afford to pay fifteen dollars to acquire a user and then those of us who can only make you know six dollars on a user or whatever uh, we can't compete for for yeah. any of that UA cost, yeah. and it, this is what we saw. This is becoming uh, an increasingly large problem. Where basically everybody we talk to, uh, who's trying to solve this problem, and get around, they're basically just like, yeah, we can't. We just can't afford. To, we can't afford to do user acquisition. We can't afford to do ad spending, uh, even if we had the money laying around. It actually just is only a net negative, right? right. And so it's. Because you bring in ten thousand people and then you lose three dollars a person. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> that's the trick, of it, right? Is that is that in order to to sell a game, if the if the store is not doing it for you, then you have to spend ad money. But if you can't if you can't recoup that, yeah, you need a high enough income per player to yeah. justify it. Yeah. And so I, I think this is actually the core reason why uh, why this is falling apart, uh, particularly on mobile, is because we there you can't do ua on mobile it's literally impossible because the cost of it has has been driven up so high but i mean there's the guy who's on the panel with me at the talk was like that's his thing he's a small indie publisher and he basically figured out he came from congregate right So like he he knew the he knew more of that sort of uh mobile space and the and the ad nature of things and so he publishes just a ton of mobile games and he actually does manage to do really good ua for them like in terms of buying users essentially to fund women and his like he gave a whole talk on it because he was trying to get to this point which is like if you and we've talked about this before like if you want to be successful you look at what unsuccessful people are are either doing or not doing and then you sort of you know pick the things that are the opposite of those and one of those that seems to be coming up repeatedly now is somehow figuring out how to do UA as yeah. an indie studio right how do you, how do you actually manage that and and he had sort of figured it out he's been doing it pretty effectively is this with uh, free to play titles I believe so but they don't his his total like his uh, average revenue per user ends up being like fifty cents or something because it's mainly ad driven. So he's he's figured out how to do this using like a huge like six different ad networks. Like all it's like it's a machine that he's yeah. building. Basically, right. right? that's that's your job. It's now. a yeah. full time so, job. Is yeah. just playing the numbers game. Exactly. So, well, then, and, but then, so then, what studio can afford? Like you know, um, yeah, on, the, on the mid to small scale, right, is yeah. now you have to be able to afford to hire somebody whose full time job is to find out how to do UA yes. at a low enough cost, including their salary. Yep. To right. To be able to make yeah. that work, right? Uh, and yeah, and of course, of course the bottom is falling. Like, yeah, like we, uh, well, the thing we is that, can't compete. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is this is where the idea that the middle is falling out where if you're a hobbyist or a solo developer, you you might be able to like be okay generally, mm-hmm. right? But once you get 10 people on staff, um, your likelihood of success doesn't necessarily go up. Yes. Yeah. Right? Uh and so your costs yeah. go up by tenfold yeah. or more because of now the overhead of getting an office and everything else, right? So. Yeah. So I I don't know the the silver the only silver lining I think for us was was two things. One is that everyone we showed Levelhead to was like, one I don't know how this is going into early access because it looks done. Like that was the general response. We're like, excellent. We're like it's good. exactly where we want to be. Great, but it's we still got more. Yeah, go into the wings. Um, and then two was that I think the. It's just – it's provoked a lot of these really interesting studio conversations, which frankly are annoying to be having right now because we're breathing down the neck of this launch in like a few weeks. Um, And now all of a sudden we're like, well, what are we going to do about mobile? Yeah. Yeah. And you. The original plan was just like we'll just launch it on mobile. That was mm -hmm. like – it was so easy. But apparently you don't don't do that anymore. So now we've got to figure that shit out. Um, But it has been provoking a bunch of interesting conversation and like I think – Again, we uh, being able to adapt is, is 90% of the game here when it comes yeah. to staying alive. For yeah, because we, we could just throw ourselves on our sword, you know, and just be like premium only. And if that's how we go down, then we're going mm-hmm. down. But yeah. That serves literally no one at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. So – but we also we, we don't have any clue of how the, the early access launch will go. So, mm-hmm. you know, if that goes super great, then, uh, you know, then this makes these questions easier. But yep. if it goes super terribly – Makes them harder. Makes them harder. (laughs) uh, Because now mobile would be the thing that we would have to figure out to sort of save the game, right? So we we don't know. Uh, Shit's weird. Yeah, Who knows? Maybe it'll be the Switch thing that saves us, you know? It might be. It could be. be. So I got to put your eggs in all these baskets. Yeah. You know what I mean? But not too many baskets because you got to Don't put them in shitty baskets. Yeah. Some of those baskets have holes in them and the egg just falls right through. Yeah. Uh, That's 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 what we're trying to avoid. Yeah. Uh all right. Well let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.beescotch.net. If you'd like to get your question onto a future episode, go there. First question comes from creator Red A. What's the coolest thing about using Game Maker? And what's the most annoying? What is so I guess cool you can it? speak to this after playing with Unity this weekend, probably. Yeah. Uh yeah, I was I was poking around in Unity this weekend just to kinda like because I realized I'm actually not that good of a programmer in the traditional sense. I can program around like I can do circles around anybody in Game Maker, but once I go into a different environment, I'm just not as familiar with the structures and the right. syntax. Um, so I was like, you know, I really need to shore this up. So I started playing around in Unity and started working on a uh, like a 3D prototype of Roid Rage just to kind of like see how it all works. And uh, the great thing about Game Maker is that everything that you want to do only takes at most like three steps. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to play a sound, you just import the sound. And then anywhere in an object or a script or whatever, you just use like audio, play sound, name of ob, name of sound, and it Done. will play. And you're good, right? Um, same with drawing a sprite. Import a sprite anywhere in the code in a draw event. You just put draw sprite. Done. Done. You did yep. it now, right? And in Unity, oh my god, it's like a – It's like a waking nightmare. Uh, (laughs) It's, you know, you you can't just do that. You know, you've got to like create a game object and attach components to it and load the thing in there and create a script and drop the script onto there and then load the audio into Mm -hmm. the script. It's like, I don't know how people put up with it, frankly. Um, But, you know, it has this really strong structure. Unity does. Because also it's in C sharp. So it has, it has uh, typed variables so like you have integers and floats and, and like very specific types Any of numbers. And you do have Booleans, which is nice. Well that it, it's nice except it sucks. Because like in Game Maker, Booleans are numbers. It's mm-hmm. one and zero. Mm-hmm. So I can actually do like you can add uh, them. so I I could say like <laughs> like a turn direction is negative uh keyboard press left plus keyboard press right. Because mm-hmm. one because they evaluate as tr- as one or zero. Yeah. And so Mm. I can – in one line, I can take all the inputs for moving left and right. And in Unity, it took me 12 lines, right? Because I have to actually like evaluate them and then change the turn direction based on the if statements. Yeah. So – Or just cast them. Yeah, or cast them. Yeah. Yeah. Which again is annoying. Can't, <laughs> can't I just use them as I want to? Yeah. Well, is is uh, that that you know age old debate between you know static and and loose loosey goosey typing? Right. Because the looser it is, the more you can just kind of skip a lot of steps. Yeah. The looser it is, the more fun it is. Yeah. The stricter it is, the less likely you get into trouble. Yeah. Well, and, th- and this I think speaks to our size, right? Because like if you have strong a strongly typed language, which means that like. You've got – you don't just have numbers. You even have certain types of numbers. Mm-hmm. And those types of numbers can only do certain things. And for reference, ha- GameMaker has one kind of number called a real, yeah, and then a string. yeah. And those are its only two those things. Those are its only two things. And so that's great because you can do whatever you want with those numbers. You can add them together, divide them. You can store them. You can do – it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's annoying when you want to like write good JSON to like send to a web service because mm-hmm. there's, since there's no such thing as a Boolean – then it just writes a one followed by a thousand zeros. Yeah. So like, <laughs> one like, point zero, 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 zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Well, you know, minor, minor annoyances in it's that Minor case. things like that. But yeah. So, I mean, the, the, stru- the sort of forced structure of something that you see in Unity allows for more team collaboration. Why is that? Um, it's because. You explain that coupling. Between. Yeah. It's, it's because if everything is loose and there's no rules. Then you, as a team, have to have incredible discipline around your code because if if anybody can do anything to anything, um, then you have this unpredictable sort of spaghetti mess of mm-hmm. code. Uh, and as as like time pressures build, that discipline can sort of go away mm. uh, because people need to cut corners and just get the code working and then like get the product out. Yeah. Well, there's also the idea of being cute when you write your code, which uh, and being cute is basically saying like. You know, try, do, trying to do as much as you can in one line, for example, just because you can, or right. you know, these right. kinds of things. Where you know, we're all guilty of it. But when you're in a loose, when you're in a loose language, you can um, do like some JavaScript, real- you can get real fucking. Oh cute. yeah, yeah. And the cuter you get, the more your language becomes as as the joke, or your code becomes read only code. Right, or sorry, write-only code. As in uh, nobody knows. As in nobody can read at. it. Um, <laughs> and, and this, this is like, there are these things like with the, the idea of a ternary operator, which is this whole it collapses an if-then statement into like one line, just using like a question mark at a colon, right? And then you can't fucking read and it. So yeah, so so there's like so most most uh, standard like ways of, of coding for languages that have that operator. Mm-hmm. Basically say just like do not use it. They actually their their IDEs will even throw errors if you use even though it's valid syntax. They'll throw say, this is too cute. Yeah, it's too cute. You know, don't do it. Don't but be I know, cute. Am I like from in JavaScript? Uh, since I'm using it's you know JavaScript is loose typed also. Uh, it's got ternary operators. Like I'm being cute all the time because I Adam, can and so it's cute. fun. You know, it's, it's <laughs> so fun just to be like, what can I what can I pull off here? Like you know like you have some logic puzzle you need to yeah, do yeah. and you start writing this really verbose shit and you're like, I don't want I, I, I don't mean, want anybody to read this. And they just use one-liner we one, <laughs> line one yeah. go, right? And, uh, and yeah, this makes your stuff unreadable. Yeah, it's the difference in design between designing for the player versus designing for exactly. yourself, yeah. right? Yep. Just like, look how cool this is that I made. Yep. Versus <laughs> somebody looks at that and their eyes immediately cross. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah so, so, so I think Game Maker... Its its strength is its weakness, right? Its strength is how loose it is, which means it's really fast to do almost anything. Fast but it, yeah, as soon as you bring in another person onto the team, they're looking at all this weird loosey goosey code you've written, and they're like, "I don't know what the fuck I'm looking at," right? Mm-hmm. So that that's that would be my verdict. Right. Yeah. speed, but at a cost. Uh, next question comes from Fly Hoppy Axe Rompa, which is another uh, programming question. Which is a few episodes ago we spoke about branching and merging different versions of the project. I found this really hard to do in GameMaker. I'd end up just yeah. copy and pasting manually, and it takes forever. Uh, I'm using GameMaker 1.4, so maybe it's better in 2. How about some tips or best practices for doing this more effectively? So two tips. One, switch to GameMaker 2. Yeah. yeah. Uh, GameMaker 1.4 is no longer even supported, so your project is going to run out of Steam real fast. And when... it doesn't have an IDE. It just has a text editor. Yes. Uh, so everything about GameMaker 2 is better. And then if you find yourself having a hard time with merging, then get a merge tool. Use SmartGit. Mm-hmm. It's a program that actually does like a really nice comparison and it shows you the different things and you just click on which one you want to keep and you can edit stuff right in there. Boom. I'm pretty sure You're there done. are free ones also. There's free ones. Uh, Smart get is like three bucks a month or yeah, six cheap. bucks a month. So <laughs> it's one of those things. It's, uh, it's a low enough cost with a high enough benefit that probably would just that. do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's going to save you well over an hour a month. Yeah. And that's not I think the thing to think about these is if, when there's things that are really annoying because of how finicky they are. If you manage to cut them out completely, you save actually much more time than you'd imagine. Yeah. Because the rage and you save all the stress. Yeah. By like having to handle that shit is just it'll it'll mess up your workflow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You want to automate as many things as possible. So if you if you find yourself copy-pasting stuff manually, oh, yeah. you've already You're losing so many You're, you're more losing minutes. time because you're doing that manually and you're losing time because you're gonna mess that up. Yeah. yeah. And later you'll you'll come across something and you'll be squinting at it and you're like, and if you're all like fun- me, you'll be mad at the entire time you're copy pasting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah no the, one, the one thing to be aware of with uh, with Game Maker two and Git is because of how it stores all of its stuff, and it's it's a mm-hmm. kind of main project file. Uh, it's kind of it's not exactly Git compatible because um, Git, Git compares things on a line by line basis, and so it stores files as just like this really verbose JSON, which means some many lines are just like an end curly brace. Right. And that yeah. thing. So now if, in Git, if you're trying to figure out which end curly brace that is, does it belong to the stuff right before it? Or does it belong to this other stuff? It can't mm. fucking know the difference. There's no way for it to know the difference. And so that leads to some headaches. It does. Once once you kind of get the feel for it, though, it's not too it's bad. It's easy to resolve. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it happens frequently. But no, but yeah, first step, always just get a good tool. Yeah. That, that's your. So which means get out of Game Maker 1.4, get into Game Maker 2 and get some kind of diff tool. Yeah. Uh, our next question comes from CDC Molly. Empty your pockets right now. Any- oh, God. I'm just going to feel them. Anyone feeling- anyone carrying anything weird or cool? Aside from my wallet and keys, you can almost always find a pen and a specific pocket knife on me every day. Do you have any interesting everyday carry items? I always have a pen and I try to always have chapstick. You never I al- know. I always have chapstick and I try to always have a pen. There you go. So I kind of, I kind of reverse the priority mm-hmm. on those two. Yeah. I don't have chapstick, but I do have a pen. <laughs> Otherwise, honestly, one of my favorite things is not having anything in my pocket. Yeah, I prefer to have as little Because I feel like it's almost irresponsible. <laughs> yeah. You know, because like, I got pockets. I could put stuff in there. But if I don't on one day, it's like I am, I am cut loose. Yeah. I'm going to yeah, be a free I norm- man. I normally have the pocket knife. Because somebody always needs something open. Yeah, I do too. Mm-hmm. Because like every of, day, because of plane travel, I forgot to. Yeah, exactly. Re- yeah, I, re- I, I unloaded my pocket knife to go to GDC, and I haven't reloaded it into my <laughs> kit. Yeah, because normally yeah. It just moves pants. You know, like yeah. when, you, when you change mm-hmm. pants, you just transfer all your stuff. But now that now my pocket knife is just somewhere else, and so it doesn't get to go along. Yeah, for the ride. I would. I would like, but this does make me think, though. You know, because there's this like everyday carry movement of people mm-hmm. who are like weirdly sort of focused on having everything that they might like. Everything that they might possibly need in a day in their pockets, but in such a way that it takes up the least amount of space. It's Mm -hmm. like a – it's like a min-maxing challenge. Mm -hmm. What I want to see is like something that's the opposite, which is people who take the challenge of like what you said, Sam. How little can you get away with? To carry absolutely nothing. Honestly, if if you're the sort of person like – because I almost always have stuff in my pockets. Try – not having anything in your pockets, for and a just bit. walk around and just just think like I've even stripped down my key ring so that all I have on my keys is is one house key because I changed all my locks to be the same lock. Nice. My car key, and I don't carry the I don't carry the the fob, you know that lets you yeah remotely do mm-hmm. stuff. Which drives my wife crazy, but I'm like, I don't want it in my pocket, so you just, you just have to wait until I physically get in there and unlock the door. No, you push it a little far, uh, bro. Okay, keep going. It's like it, it only costs an extra two seconds yeah. for all parties, you know. So it's very fun. And then I've got I've got my uh, my my fitness center like tiny little scan card thingy, mm-hmm. um, which I kind of want to get rid of because I'm pretty sure I can just tell them who I am and that would be fine too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my YubiKey, key, which is that you know With little your lock, my little uh, it's like a key for your. computer. It's a little two factor mm-hmm. device for computers, which is really rad. And that's all it's on. And for a while until I got my Yuba key, all I had was just my one car key in my mm-hmm. one house key. I will say, yeah, people who have keys that are huge. Just giant. What are you saying, What are you, yeah, what are yeah. you, like a night shift uh, uh-huh. janitor locking you got, up the building? What are you doing? Come oh, on. Yeah. Well, and then even the keys, so, so Seth found a while ago these, I think they're called like anti-gravity keys or something ridiculous, oh, yeah. but they're just aluminum mm-hmm. keys. They're so just they're, light. So they, they, they weigh basically nothing. Um, Does it and so feel like ever since, snap though? Every time I used that it, one, it I was like, it feels fragile, but I got like, oh, all my locks, think, all my locks oh, airplanes are made of. So and cans. Mm, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are they made? Are airplanes made of aluminum? Uh, they have probably. They probably lot of have aluminum. some in there. I think they, they're made out of aluminum honeycomb. You know, it's kind of. Get those aluminum bees. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they're Barf hard out. to. They're hard to wrangle. Mm-hmm. They are. Yeah, they're very dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> they're very irresponsible too. Yeah. But uh, I, I will say, I mean, I think it was a couple of weeks because I always, I would always bring my phone to the gym, mm-hmm. you know, so I could like track my workouts and stuff. And one day a few weeks back. I went to the gym with nothing, just just nothing, not a pen. Just a man and some steam. Not a front, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, it was kind of interesting. I felt very good and I felt like I, felt like I had a secret. Yeah, <laughs> Where honestly. The people around me, they're carrying all this stuff and I'm sitting here and I'm like, I don't have anything. If something happens, I'm completely unprepared. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have no way to resolve any situation that hits me. And I feel kind of good about it. Yeah. Yeah. But we're in the middle of civilization, you know, like, like yeah. worst case scenario is you borrow somebody else's phone yep. and call somebody who so can resolve your situation. It's been so long that smartphones have been around. I only remember like two numbers. There is and so that. So, hope. And those people rarely answer their phones. Yeah, there is Guys, that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know true. my wife's number. Yeah. That's the only I phone I know my, my wife's number. number. I know my wife's number, I know you guys' numbers, mm-hmm. but my wife's number is the only one that I can count on. I actually don't know your new number. Oh, nice. I don't I think know, I know yours because yours, cause yours is, is almost mine. But, but, but I still have my for some reason completely fucking different. <laughs> and I was like <laughs> – because we got them all at the same time. That's uh, true. Yeah, they're almost the same. Yeah. But I still have my old – because I have a Google voice number, which I use predominantly. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually been unchanged for 12 years. Yeah, but every time I call it one, you don't answer it. So I call your actual – There side. is that. Yeah. Well, I don't – <laughs> There is that. I don't answer either <laughs> of them. So – I have, I have you stored in my phone. One of them is Adam Brother. The other one is Adam Goog, which is your Google, yeah. device, Google voice number. Which I never call. But they both go to the same place. So there's actually not a relationship <laughs> between, between the two. Good to know. And <laughs> they go to the same place, which is nowhere. Which is, which is to my phone <laughs> that I then do not answer. Yeah. So why carry your phone with you if you will never answer? Oh, I care to check mail. That's its purpose, that's, really. That's it. Yeah. Really, reason. I just want a portable gmail what you need is a not a smartphone but like um like a medium almost like a pager but just like because smartphones are super tiny now right well, not anymore. They're well, not right, they but, but, like, but they're, they're, they're thin, right? Yeah. And they're completely screen. So what you need is a super tiny screen that's about the size that a screen was on a pager. I think you, you mean know. a BlackBerry. You just want a BlackBerry. No, no. Something that's basically um like the size of like a USB flash drive, mm-hmm. you know, but it's just the a little. The tiny ones or like the. A little old? one. Yeah. And it's just like. A they little get real small too. No, kind of like, like your, <laughs> like your YubiKey, key. Okay. You know, like yeah. an inch long. Uh-huh. Uh, and then it, it's just a screen and it just checks your email and you can just read your email on it. That seems hard to read line by line. line you by just put it on your bleep, key bleep, ring. Bleep. You're good he to just, go. You know, I think there's, there's something super nice about just not having anything in your pockets because as much as it is that terrifying feeling of vulnerability, there's also that feeling of like I could not be called responsible for anything. Exactly. Right? <laughs> I <laughs> got free now. I got no capability to help with anything going on. I up. can't even get somebody into a building nope. if I need to. I got yeah, no keys. Man. I got no – just got nothing. Somebody. It's like being a kid again. Nobody relies on <laughs> yeah. me, and you're like, if I uh-huh. if I'm tempted to buy something, yeah, kids don't have keys no. or wallets. The fuck are they going well, to? That or... That's true. That's what the feeling is. You're like, like I'm you being kid. completely irresponsible, yeah, exactly. and nobody can count on me for anything right now. And this is nice. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, childhood. Maybe <sighs> that. Yeah. So this needs to be like a instead of the everyday carry movement, there needs to be a. the can movement which is carry absolutely nothing mm. actually you just my neighbor what, has a keypad entry that he just installed i, I guess, guess. Uh, maybe i should go they make me nervous for some reason even though it can't be any less secure than an easy yeah, lock yeah so probably more secure it might be because he also gets alerts on his phone but what, happens when, happens, that, what happens when what happens when that when it dies you know then how do you get in because now you don't have your key on you it died Presumably, it'll tell you its battery's low. But what if like you're being irresponsible up. and you don't actually change the battery? I don't know. Or you just it's on you. T- but on this <laughs> on this note, though, you got Windows. This buddy. makes me think. Of, this makes me think of a really good adult resort, right? Mm. Which is one where, when you get there, you have to get rid of everything. Just everything, everything that is that that in, indicates responsibility, right? So you give them your keys, your passport, mm-hmm. you give them fucking everything, and their whole their whole deal is that. They will – no matter what happens, they they will have your shit. They will protect Mm your shit and they will not let you get access to it. But they'll also be there for emergencies so so that if like if something out in the real world actually does happen, they can call these people and these people will come find you, Mm -hmm. right? So now all of a sudden you've unloaded all of your life burdens, Mm -hmm. everything, all your responsibilities onto these people and then you just don't even get to do anything. You don't have – there's no internet on this whole fucking resort, Mm -hmm. right? You just go there. You give up your shit and you get to go just be a child. That would be awesome. This is real. It's like a sandals. <laughs> I want this. It's like a sandals. Exactly. We call it parents. Yeah. I'm gonna go to parents in Cancun. Go to, go to parents. Yeah. You just you just get to go have some parents for a while, right? <laughs> yeah. Whose only job <laughs> is to like have you be a Isn't real. is that child really girl. what a resort is? That is. Actually like a you go there. No, and like, the problem is they people don't, are cooking for you. Oh yeah. People are taking care. But, but they don't aggressively. They don't take it up that notch yeah. though. That is because like, they let you get access to the business center yeah who the fuck your parents wouldn't let you get on a computer yeah. that's <laughs> yeah. there's, basically, 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 there's, there's a, a, a resort. there you should be running around outside yeah. what you want is a resort where you get scolded sometimes exactly yeah, yeah. for, <laughs> for, for gonna get outside for not being yeah. on vacation yeah they're like you're on vacation get the fuck back out yeah. on that and, and, to, check a page and also when you're like when you, when you try to like order a second <laughs> dessert and they're like you've already had a dessert like yeah. you were going overboard here right? Yeah. right yeah you're gonna feel terrible tomorrow yeah, yeah. and you're like that's true yeah and you order your like third drink and they're like don't you feel like you've had too much and you're like yeah yeah you're probably right and they're like Go yeah. to your room. Go to your, <laughs> go to your room. They, they go ground about. you, you know, mm-hmm. then you have to like You're being somebody's being off about somebody's it. Somebody's being grumpy. Get, <laughs> get, go take a nap. Like, get, okay. Yeah, go no, take no, a nap. That's true. Just the best nap. advice I ever got as a kid was go take a nap. Yeah, Dad You're was telling me that when I was go freaking out, you just need to go take a nap. And I was like, no. And then I go take a nap. Felt immediately better. Yeah. And so and did well, he probably. Yeah. was like, thank God. it has gone. I got this whiner out of my hair. Mm-hmm hair whiners i shaved this i shaved my head this is so that's why you can't get in get into my hair that's a good plan uh, right, let's, let's take <laughs> one last quick question which is from sean in your experience how uh, has the experience differed from short-term and long-term projects do you prefer shorter projects or do you think you'll solely focus on the larger long-term ones for clarity i'd say short-term is less than a year okay still a long time it's pretty long but i get the idea um i think i think we, we like doing a mix i think when it comes to market viability nowadays again given that problem of so many fucking games i think it's it's much harder with a small or a short project to do enough to have more of an easy sort of like well i think i think, I think it's, actually, hard both cases. Well, it's hard in both cases i think yeah. actually if we were to play the game properly on mobile mm-hmm. then the right move would be v- as short-term projects as possible with as many iaps as possible that's correct it's so like a three month max. Yeah. D- dev cycle. And you just Turn that. those things out. Yeah. Don't even worry about the about launching marketing. Just nope. So just ad spend. Launch mm-hmm. that thing. Spend money on user acquisition. Yep. Pump it up the up the algorithms. Mm-hmm. And then move on to the next one. Sounds yeah. like a real joy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> what I got into this yeah. business for. Yeah. yeah. I, think, uh, I think the problem with with a larger investment of, of like a month or whatever, because uh, games are fucking expensive to make. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've seen the expensive action. Uh, so if you're going to spend, you know, six months or a year on a project, um, and now all of a sudden you can't recoup that recoup. Is it recoup or recoup? You know? I don't depends know actually on which on one it is. Depends on how you're feeling. Depends on you're gonna how French you're feeling today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're gonna if you're gonna have a coup and you take over something, that's mm-hmm. clearly a coup. And if you're gonna right? have a recoup, then you got then you got to do it again, right? So that means you mess something up after the first coup. It you messed a recoup, but I know people say recoup. Yeah, I don't actually but know. What it's Jordan probably because they're just Americans, so I'm pronouncing so. every letter of a French word. American, <laughs> yeah. what do we think? You're supposed to pronounce as few of them as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, what about recoup? Recalp, so you like If you can't recalp it, or because the chance of you being able to recalp, you know, six months worth of development. Uh, on a premium title in the mobile space is not great, and mm-hmm. if you keep on extending that ru- that runway out, now you're just throwing more right. good money after bad, as they say, or bad more, good money after bad. That's the one, because uh, your first money was bad. And the rest it, of your money that you still have is good, good until you put it in there, and now, and now it's bad it, now, because yeah. it's gone. Because it it's, it's gone. <laughs> uh, so that's the worst kind of money, really. But I think actually, I think that's generally true. Actually, when it comes to market viability these days, because there's so many there's so many games coming out and your chances of success are, are so m- middling um, yes. at best low that, you could say low that no, you have right. to the idea is you have to put in just enough the project has to be just big enough that people when they see it are like oh that, that looks like a real game <laughs> right? Like, right, right like i feel like this is an actual this isn't just garbage that you made or or whatever this is like a, this or is a an experience i get right. to have you know that that feels polished and finished and the moment you hit that mark, I think it has to go into the market because any more time you spend after that, um, it just increases your cost without increasing the likelihood that you have an actual market success. Yeah. Um, Good yeah. enough principle in yeah. action. Yep. yep. So I think that's what I would say. I like working on jam games. That's like the smallest project. That but that's, that's just bringing us back to being a kid again. Yeah. Because you know? like, you're not, it's not for market viability. No, you have no responsibilities. No yeah. You just don't have to reach to out to your business partners. You just say, like, I'm mm. making a thing. It's, it's just is what it is. I made this. Take it or leave it. Get yep. out of my face. Yep. 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 I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I made this for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of it is that, that fixed cost of making a game. Yeah. It's all, it's all in the, you know, the months leading up to market. It's like, yeah, we could, you know, we made a roid rage in like under 20 hours of development yep. time, even including the multiple ships and oh, yeah, everything. Uh, but it and then we put it up on Google Play. Uh, we just put it up, and I think we made maybe like 12 dollars on it or something. Or oh, gotta yeah. do that UA, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean. You can, you can do it, but if you don't do the marketing part, then you kind of miss. Then none of it matters. Or the part where people can pay you money. Oh, or that, that's another That's another part that mm-hmm. a lot of businesses do. They do do that. Um, we'll work on that part. Yeah, so no. it's interesting, right? Because then the longer the project, the less of the project goes into marketing in terms of time scale. Yeah. If you take it two years to make your game and your last two months is that like – ramp up marketing launch and simultaneously the more market success is required to pay off all that dev cost and also to have enough money to do the next project assuming the next project is of similar Mm -hmm. scope yeah so this is hard that's all i'm gonna say yeah that's (laughs) what i'm saying is like yeah the the bigger the project the the easier it is to sell it in terms of it looks bigger and people can get more excited about it you know Mm -hmm. um but But that doesn't mean you're going to sell more of it. And also you have to sell a lot more because you took more time. So they both are hard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Different reasons. For different reasons. So just do whatever you think is best and whatever you can. And then, uh, you know, try to make the most of it. Mm -hmm. I think think that's a good note to end on. I think so. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producer, Fat Bard, for making us sound good. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we've got merch, which, by the way, is currently on fire sale, because we're clearing it out. People are buying stuff, too. The box is disappearing, actually. box missing from over there. Yeah, we Ooh, nice. we slashed all the prices of everything down by a crap load. Yeah, yeah. In, in, as far as we can make them In go. a lot of cases, half. In some cases, far more than half, mm-hmm. to the point where we're actually just like... Losing money on the oh, items, yeah. but we just need to get rid of them. So we're just trying to make some of our money mm-hmm, back mm-hmm. Uh, without taking a total loss. But just know that you're doing us a favor by getting this merch out okay. of our out of our office. We're doing you a favor by clothing you in fantastic goods. And they're yeah. very. The, the, the sh- only problem is that all the most popular shirt sizes are basically gone already. I mean, just they already were when we started. Mm, there we go. There's still a lot of shirts, just not necessarily the size you want. Yes. Mm. So if you're good at sewing. Then <laughs> Now you've also got <laughs> a good, really uh, this. you also got a good hobby project uh-huh. uh-huh. So this is it's a double win. You know, mm-hmm. you right. get you get some awesome shirts on the cheap, and then now you have yeah. a hobby you can. Get if you on. or your best friend is a tailor, yeah, you can get a bunch Boom. of small shirts or a seamster or seamstress. Yeah. A bunch of small shirts, stitch them together, get one large shirt, cut it down. Yep. Yeah. Whatever it is, you got to do. You, you've got the material. We're mm-hmm. providing the material. Uh <laughs> this is just on rolls of fabric that have our studio printed <laughs> on them. Yeah. Oh, we're we're moving awesome away from the that. from the shirts industry. Going to wholesale just, fabric, just straight fabric, branded fabric. Uh, so that's our that's our yeah. next make big your own movie. fucking shirt. It's just, like, it's just like level head, you know. It's like I'm tired of making games for you. you make your own levels. Yeah. <laughs> make your own shirt. We've got a new shirt builder to provide the raw materials. And yep. That's it. That's- you would throw in enough pins that you could probably like pin it together. Yeah. yeah. Then, we'll, <laughs> yeah then we'll go out to do a visit and just see all these people wearing these like janky yeah. like gnarly shirts that <laughs> they've sewed themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Why yeah. not? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 So anyway, that's, uh, that's all over at podcast.bscotch.net. So just hop on over there. We got links to everything. Uh, thank you very much and we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.